Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. White Sox fans, all right, it's Southside Sox, Southside Sox podcast number 97, and let's just get right to the news. Let me announce our merger. Come on. Nobody's going to merge with us. Look at these eyes. Look at these crazy eyes. Hey, listen, we, we always say what we mean. We mean what we say. Uh, and, you know, hey, hopefully you dig it. We've been around for 97 podcasts on the mothership. So, hey, keep on listening. We appreciate that you listen, read, watch, all that stuff. Hey, I got two great guests with me. It's Trooper Galactus and Adrian Serrano. Going to join me. We're going to talk a little bit. Well, spring training is winding down and, well, there are concerns. <laughs> and we'll address some of those. And maybe even a couple of good things happened. It's definitely not as happy and celebration of podcasts as it was. Oh, I don't know. Number 96. Uh, okay, well, first off, let's just get to the fact that, and this is something that uh, Hannah LaMata addressed in her game story today, and that is uh, the White Sox, I believe, are now 10 and 11 in spring training. Who cares? Spring training. But they tend to be losing leads. Uh, now, as she points out, uh, it's an issue of the starters uh, are not going very long, and the actual starting players in the lineup are leaving. Uh, the fact that the White Sox are usually getting out to leads uh, you could look at it as a positive sign because obviously these guys are been going nine innings, uh, you know, the, the regular lineup. So uh, in addition to the fact that we should throw out spring training records, it's probably encouraging that the White Sox, even though they are losing a lot of games, uh, are getting out to, 
to, to good leads, it might reflect well on the regular season. Uh, guys feeling about how this spring training uh, has gone in terms of the team performance. I think overall, I think you got to be decently outside of the injury news. You're decently positive just in the fact that most of the guys that are regular every day in the lineup have hit outside of, you know, Mankata is the one guy that's kind of an outlier that has been struggling a little bit in spring, but this is spring and we've got enough uh, tape on Mankata now to not really be worried about it when it um, yeah. season starts. I think he'll be fine, but uh, it's nice to see Eloy hitting. Um, mm-hmm. It's nice to see, uh, Andrew Vaughn looking pretty good after, you know, the up and down season last year. I think he's hitting over 400 now for the spring. I mean, his batting average doesn't matter in the spring, but you just like to see those guys getting good reps and looking like they're ready for the season. And they're going to kind of have to mash. So it's nice that the offense is kind of uh, looking like they're going to be as good as we expect them to be. Trooper, what's the vibe? You know, it feels like we go through this every year. (laughs) It's spring training. Okay. Like it doesn't matter. The games don't count. Pitchers are trying things they won't do during the regular season. Uh, Everybody's ramping up. Everybody's at different places in their ramp up. And it's a totally unusual year because of the late start. Um, I think one thing we are seeing, though, is uh, it looks like there's going to, if things don't change, it looks like the ball is going to be flying out of parks this year. Because, you know, like today's game, Cubs fans get on, start drawing the ha ha. We, you know, thanks, Sox. We got, we got your uh, second baseman from you. We got Nick Madrigal. Ha ha. And then like it's like you know because Nick Madrigal never hits home runs. And then like a couple of innings later, you get Danny Mendick parking it, and it's like, well, okay, maybe everybody's going to be knocking it out this yeah. year. Yeah, Xavier Fernandez with a home run. Yes, yes. Big, uh, big star. Xavier man. Fernandez, I think, has thirty something in his career <laughs> in the minors. <laughs> How about the fact that uh, let's get to stuff that's real, and something that's real is the fact that this rotation is a mess, and I don't think there's any way to look at it. It was a mess, probably going in best case scenario because the back end was going to be sort of just stitching stuff together with some spit and some some dirt and some scotch tape uh because i'm a really bright guy i did some quick math so let me share it with you fellas uh we can count on let's say 175 innings per for giolito and for dylan c's so that's 350 120 from lynn at this point and that might be a fingers crossed but okay two-thirds of a season okay don't know if he can come back that strong, but okay. Uh, Kopech, we're hoping 120. I don't think he can really shoot too far past that, and let's hope he gets there and gets there well. That's 590 innings. Six starter innings a game. I know in today's game, you know, it's like three innings for your starter or whatever, but if you do count on like a quality start expectation, uh, that leaves 382 innings. So we're talking about nearly 400 innings uh, from a, a tear. <laughs> From guys who aren't really major league starters, Dallas Keuchel, Ronaldo Lopez, Vince Velasquez, Jimmy Lambert, um, John Park, uh, Cade McClure. I know it's getting, it's getting scarier and scarier. The ghost of John, Jonathan Stever. Um, How, (laughs) here's a setup question. How are we feeling about this rotation? Um, I think we kind of saw a little bit of a sign of it today. Like Velasquez looked okay in his first time through the lineup, actually looked pretty good his first time through the lineup, but like not a lot of guys have seen him. It's a lot of a, 
spring training, you know, you're seeing a bunch of guys, you know, you don't really have time to make a game plan, but like pretty quickly, it looked like they had a game plan against them the second time through and they had an early hook to kind of let them get out of there with some good vibes going into the season, which I'm fine with. Um, But like, we're really kind of uh, banking a lot on, you know, Dallas and Reynaldo Lopez to kind of have like come back to, you know, good seasons uh, this year to really like, unless the offense is just going to smash and maybe, you know, if the the ball is juiced again, like, well, maybe Eloy's going to hit 50 home runs and none of this is going to matter, you know, yeah. um, and it's it's going to be fine. And they're just going to mash their way to, uh, you know, division title, which is still their division to lose, you know, even with the Austin Meadows, the Detroit thing. Um, but I, you, you can't look at it objectively and not be concerned about, um, what happens once Kopech hits a hundred innings, you know, like yeah. hopefully if everything goes great and he has a hundred great innings, you're very happy, but like, they're not going to push him too much further past that. I don't think. Okay. In Adrian's um, uh, um, scenario where balls are the balls juice and that, okay, let's say a five ERA is good. Trooper. Are you still, are you <laughs> encouraged by this rotation? Uh Oh, it appears. I'm sorry, Adrian. Let's let's talk some more because I think Trooper may have frozen on us. So uh, for oh, no, now he's back. I'm not sure if he heard me, but uh, do you have thoughts on our starting rotation? Okay, it looks like he's out. So we're going to just keep sort of winging it and Trooper will just yell when he's back. Uh, Here we go. Uh, This is a point and shoot podcast. No doubt about it. Um, Yeah, Adrian, the situation is such that you've got this rotation that, you know, I was actually starting to turn the corner and feel good about. I was starting to get some good vibes Mm -hmm. with Ronaldo um, and thinking that he can keep it to maybe a four or better ERA that this, you know, not the magic LASIK or whatever, but just that, you know, that he might actually be in what is, we sort of forget, you know, this is a contract drive for him too. I mean, he needs to make his next Mm -hmm. deal, whether with the White Sox or somewhere else that he might actually step up and pitch. Well, I mean, there was a time where he was sort of on the level of the, the Giolitos, of the world. And he has fallen since, uh, but boy, then just about that time, you're thinking, you know what, this weird scotch tape, like sort of just putting together the you know, sort of three, four, five or four or five of this rotation uh, was looking like it might be solid enough. Well, then you have Lance Lynn who now best case scenario. I mean, really you're hoping you get him back full yeah, strength in two months. And, and, you know, that's for, and he's a guy who's not, you know, I'm not going to ding him for it, but I mean, he's not, you know, he's not at peak age. He's not in peak physical shape. So he might actually take a little bit more time to get as right as he mm-hmm. needs to be. Uh, that injury <laughs> is something that might really loom rough at the start of this season. The, the rotation is not going to carry the White Sox the way it did a year ago. No. Yeah. I mean, we knew yeah. coming into the season that losing Radon and his five war last year, like we were going to need Lynn. Giolito and Cease to kind of just do what they did last year, which was really great, you know, um, and already losing Lynn for, you know, a month and a half to two months is already kind of putting you behind that. Um, luckily, like they do still have a pretty good bullpen. So they're not really expecting somebody like Ronaldo to go out there and pitch seven shutout innings, you know, <laughs> like if you give me four and a half, four and a third strong innings, like and not let us get too far behind. We're in every game and our bullpen is going to be pretty good to uh, hopefully shut it down. 
I wonder if the bullpen thought, like when some of these guys signed on and said, man, this is great. I'm going to be in such an awesome bullpen that they, that they realized that they would be asked to throw like <laughs> two innings instead of one or three innings instead of two. Cause boy, the amount that they're going to yeah. have to carry this team. And it, you know, listen, it's capable. If you can get to, you know, even the five innings, you still feel pretty good with this bullpen, especially if a couple of the guys that we don't know for sure can click do click. Uh, but it's still now we've managed to with the rotation week this now, you know, we're going to be stressing the bullpen to a degree. And Liam Hendricks can't be throwing two innings in, in May. I mean, maybe in September. OK, but, uh, you know, it is it's 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 a little nerve wracking knowing going in that we're, you know, that we're sort of limping a little bit. Um, and I don't know if. Uh, what we're, yes, right. Trooper, go ahead. OK, you can, you can hear me. Hooray. Yes. Um, but what, we're, what we're seeing is basically you know, the lack of due diligence on the part of mm-hmm. you know, front office, because we, we were discussing before how, you know, everybody knew, including Rick Hahn, it was out there in the open. What did we need in the off season? And only now has right field been addressed. Second base was kind of addressed. They finally, thankfully addressed backup catcher. And, but starting pitching was like the one where the one where there's still not really a satisfactory answer. You know, I had nothing nice to say about pencil as a couple of weeks ago. I still have nothing nice to say about that pickup. It is not a, it was not a good major league solution. And it's very, it's been very frustrating because there's a lot of people and I get it. There's a lot of people who want to be very, very upbeat and optimistic about everything the white Sox do. And it's like, okay, yes, we lost Rodon, but Copix is replacing in the rotation. And it's like, okay, Right. You're making, but you're making, but when you say that, you make several assumptions. You make, first of all, the assumption that everybody who was perfectly healthy for the most part last year is going to continue to be perfectly healthy. You make the assumption that they're going to be as good as they are. Like, you make the assumption that Dylan Cease's advancements are for real, and as opposed to maybe, you know, you hope that's not the apex of his career, but we don't know. And this is and now he's coming across the highest workload of his career, which yeah. is good. But can you count on it? We're gonna find out. Mm-hmm. Keuchel is, yeah, is mean, last year. This it, it's like we're we're making too many assumptions. And Vince Velasquez is not a good backup no. for those assumptions. Yeah. Exactly. Like speaking to that, like we already knew coming in, just doing the math, that one of the two of Kopech and Keiko were going to have to be about two or better than they were last year, just to make up for Radon not being there. Um, Vince Velasquez is the kind of signing that like, all right, he's got talent. Like he's a great guy to bring in and see what you can get if he's one of two to three guys that you bring into camp and see, you know, what we can develop out of. But like when that's your only major starting pitching acquisition and you knew going into the offseason that starting pitching was probably your number one need it starts to look a little bit uh you know more suspect and like why are guys like you know Chris Archer out there for three million dollars and you couldn't pull the trigger on something like that just as a flyer you know like there should have been more guys coming into camp like just because you knew that Kopech at the very least was going to be on an innings limit and you don't know what you're going to get out of uh, Keuchel, even though he continues to be very uh, optimistic that he's going to show that it was an aberration last year. Um, well, he can only pitch like that. <laughs> and I'm behind him. <laughs> this, is, this is frustrating. This is, this is where the mistakes start catching up. You know, like the stuff that we've been positive about for about the past week, you know, pick, get it, trading Kimbrel. Uh, to the Dodgers and getting uh, Pollock in return. It's like, yeah, that's great. That feels good. It's a great return. It was born of a mistake, 
All right. It was born of the mistake of picking up Kimbrel in the first place. You were able to get something out of it. But let's face it. If, let's say yeah. all things being equal, you mm-hmm. went into the offseason with, without Craig Kimbrell, and you could have picked up any free agent you wanted. I mean, don't you think that you could have maybe done better than a 34-year-old outfielder who is, has severe injury troubles? You probably yeah. could have. But this is what we have to settle for because this right. good move was born of a yeah. bad decision. And it's the same thing with so many other things. Like you trade Zach Collins for Reese McGuire. And yes, it feels good to actually get a legitimate backup catcher of some sort. But it's, again, born of the mistake of, first of all, assuming Zach Collins was a catcher to begin with ever. And second of all, the fact that you used a first round draft pick on him. And it, the story goes on and on where there's just we're we're trying to take victory laps for for good moves that are born of bad decisions and it's just like look look you don't get a whole lot of credit like if if you've ever seen the seven samurai uh where the character played by Toshiro Mifun like leaves his post goes out pulls a guy grabs his rifle comes back and says hey look at me look what I did I'm the hero and they were like, no, you actually screwed up and you get, you're going to get a bunch of people killed because you actually made a serious mistake and you don't get credit for the good thing that happened. Like, it, it feels like the same thing where it's as much as I want to give Han some credit for making a good move. It's basically just damage control when you yeah. really, really bore down into the things that have been happening that are positive. And that's kind of not leaves you with a unsatisfied feeling. You look at the fact that uh, just from a balance sheet standpoint, the Kelly Graven sightings could basically have just been the money that was devoted to Craig Kimbrell. Um, so you're right. It is a comedy various. And I do want to, before we go to break, uh, let you know, Trooper, that I have revised uh, my grade. I don't know. I was giddy when we were talking about Rick Hahn, when I was shaming everyone for giving him stars. I don't know what I was thinking. I had some buzz going, apparently. Yes, he clearly is not getting, he's not getting a B or a B plus for me. I don't know what I was thinking. I might be actually the, the hardest curse. See, I've recovered myself. For some reason, I was out of body last podcast. And now I realize that I get to be the harsh, angry person once again. Yeah, I would think C at best, because you're right. I think anything yes. T has, 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 you know, it's it's treaded water, maybe. And then you see I with think, Lynn, maybe they yeah, think with uh with the Maguire Collins, I think a C plus is still where he's at. Like those are like not terrible, but like, like Trooper said, like it's of his own making. So like, you can't get an improved grade on that, but like you've done okay with your bad situation. Like at least these are guys that are somewhat solutions at some of these issues. Let's take a quick break and try to squeeze in a couple more uh, issues. And uh, we'll be back in just a second. Um, Stick with us. We got a little more to discuss. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. 
And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, White Sox fans. Well, if you missed the big news about our merger, if you just joined us now, well, you got to rewind. You got to start at the front and find out what's going on with Southside Sox. But anyway, we're here. I'm here with Adrian Serrano and Trucker Galactus. We are talking, uh, well, we're talking about some moves. Good, bad. I've revised my grade toward Rick Hahn. Uh, but even as I'm doing that and downgrading him, uh, Trooper teased it. Uh, we've addressed it a little bit, but we did manage to turn in a guy who can't hit and can't catch, but is yet listed on the roster as catcher in Zach Collins. Sent him north of the border or to wherever their AAA team, because he's not going to Toronto, uh, for Reese McGuire. And aside from, um, you know, all the jokes, this is a guy who can play some defense, can, may, can, can, can hit. Uh, he seems to be a guy who's fairly ideal as a backup catcher. Uh, so again, Han sort of turning disaster result making into sort of like a win or getting back to surface level. Uh, but at least he did that. Yeah, as a as a connoisseur of catchers and a catcher myself in my youth, like this guy has Great. every tool you would want defensively, like, you know, pop time, side to side lateral move. He's got an absolute cannon. Um, you can find some videos of him just throwing people out from his, you know, one knee position. <laughs> so it's like to have a catcher able to throw people out already is a bonus on this team. Um, and we weren't getting many offensive uh you know, improvements from Collins and Zavala as it was. So um having a guy like that, even if he can just twice a week get out there defensively or, you know, three times a week and let uh, uh, Grandel do some DHing maybe to keep him fresh and in the lineup, I think is going to be a, a very much a bonus to the lineup. Is there a fantasy scenario guys uh, where the White Sox are able to, I mean, we're seeing a lot of deals thrown out there. Of course, there's the Chaminet like dis- discussions before about like, you know, what the White Sox could put together to get, obviously they couldn't put together a good enough package to beat the Padres. And that's probably going to happen another dozen times, or maybe it's just going to happen in perpetuity because it's just the way it is with the White Sox. Uh, but however, that said, you got Mike Rodolfo, you got a guy, you know, who might have some promise. You, you, you got some guys that maybe you can deal from strength to just get an arm, maybe even something, maybe a little bit better than Vince Velasquez, who again, they signed for 3 million and guaranteed him a roster spot. Not sure what scenario, what universe that made sense, but they did it. Um, they need arms. I know every team needs arms, but is there any conceivable scenario? Is there any player in your mind, aside from the obvious of Frankie Montas, which I'm not seeing how the White Sox can get, where the White Sox can add an arm that isn't, again, Jimmy Lambert, uh, Cade McClure, whatever? So there's, there's always possibilities, but the problem that the White Sox are running into, as they ran into with Oakland, is that the possibilities are all the same possibilities that other teams have and other teams need pitching as well, which means that you have to come up with a more attractive trade package than those other teams. And the White Sox are in this position where their best trade chips are pieces that are already on their rosters. And so like Andrew Vaughn already on the roster. And it would appear that, you know, a team like the Oakland A's doesn't want a guy like Vaughn because they want guys who don't have their service clock started. I mean, really, the, the prospects they gave, that they got in return for Minaya, the White Sox probably technically could have equaled that offer on the sheer value right. pros, uh, proposition, but the White Sox don't have the kind of prospects that Oakland was looking for. And this is what is a result of the White Sox secondary prospects all falling flat last year and not really getting the kind of development they need out of the really young uh, players like I, that's why I'm I was very very high on uh, I believe 
like uh, Wilfred Barris, where you know, you're talking about an 18 year old kid who really showed you some, he was like the best hitter that the White Sox had in the ACL. And, you know, that's a guy, that's the kind of player that I think teams are valuing in these trades, a guy who's showing something and he's ahead of the aging curve. So somebody that has a few years to continue to develop and has tools that they can build on. And the White Sox are just really lacking that in their system. And, you know, we can talk about trading Andrew Vaughn and how valuable Andrew Vaughn would be in a trade. And from a technical, pure mathematical standpoint, that's true. But is it what other teams value? And it would appear that the White Sox just do not the, – what the White Sox have that other teams value. I mean, we just saw it with Zach Collins' trade. The Blue Jays valued Collins' extra option yeah. over McGuire's ability to be their third or fourth catcher. And, you know, I, when I look at that trade, on the one hand, it's like, oh, cool, we got something for a player that I thought was completely worthless to us. But on the other hand, it's like you look at where the guy is coming from, and it's like, oh – that's what it feels like to have more players than you know what to do with. And that must feel nice. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Must. I mean, and that's, that's why they finally bucked the trend in this last draft and took some prep players and took some young guys. And like, that's really the actual uh, currency of the league. Like you can see like a trade, like the, uh, the Cubs and the Padres for you, Darvish, like, you know, it's a bunch of 15 year olds and we don't know if they're going to become anything, you know, but like that's, they're willing to take a bet on that as a rebuilding organization, these young guys. Um, and, you know, maybe West Cath or, you know, some of these other guys can have a great start to the, you know, uh, minor league season and become more valuable as we go. But like, that's, you try to start trading those guys. And then, you know, the 30th ranked <laughs> farm system yeah. becomes even lower than that. Um, so hopefully they continue to draft young guys and, you know, just fill the system with as many young, you know, lottery tickets as possible. At least like you have the currency at that point with, you know, most of your talent on your team. Um, but yeah, I think uh, yeah. at current, I think it's basically, you're either saying I'm going to trade Andrew Vaughn or everybody's going to ask for Kopech, but you're not in any position that you can think about moving Kopech anymore. Yeah. Uh, but those are like break glass in case of emergency options at this point. I don't think you can even really, uh, legitimately take those, you know, options seriously until you have other be something behind them. Yeah. And how frustrating is it to, for the White Sox to be in this position, knowing that during rebuild, they were not using their international oh. – I know they were under the Luis Robert penalty for a while there, but they still were wow. just like taking – what they, they, they gave away $250,000. Yeah. Scraping whatever you can get. get. Yeah, just to get rid of Nate Jones's buyout, mm-hmm. right? And, and it's like, okay – you get people that are just like, oh, whatever, it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars. You just, you just get like nothing. On you know what? You get no. get young players that other teams value. Yes. Oh my God, you might actually have had a couple more of them because you know what? You know how much Wilford Barris cost? Mm-hmm. Two hundred thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Yeah. And he's the kind of guy other teams value in trades. Yeah. Think and, about yeah. Go ahead. And they got nothing prospects in return. The prospects they got in return in, in some of these deals hmm. where they were shedding uh, their international bonus money. We're, we're out of the system within a year. They were already flopped prospects. Why are you, and it's just so stupid that during a rebuild, mm-hmm. when your most precious assets are your ability, to, your most precious aspect is your ability to stock young talent. You were just passing on actually stocking young talent. Yes. That was, that was just absurd. And we're seeing the price that they pay for that now. Fill, fill the maximum number of uniforms. That's like, a, it would seem to be a basic. Fill 
the clubhouse. Think about yeah. the fact that last year at the trade deadline, Connor Pilkington, arguably at the time, the best starter, the most ready starter. He's not, he just doesn't fit the age of some of these guys we're talking about. He's a little bit older guy, just made uh, Cleveland. So his service time cl- uh, starts now, but they got to choose that still. He didn't come with those sort of restrictions. There are organizations that have more than just one Connor Pilkington. We should have several Connor Pilkingtons to be able to deal knowing that, eh, come on, it's a lottery ticket. Maybe he pays off, maybe he doesn't. We should have yeah. a bunch of those guys, the Wilfred Varuses of the world. We should have a bunch of them and we have, we have the pantry's very bare for those guys. Yeah. And it's just such a shame because it really does handcuff it. And, and you know, it's, it's now it's really having a, a real impact on this rotation because the White Sox cannot flip anything, any resources, really, measurable resources for guys they really need in this contention window. And you're just afraid that the contention window is going to just slide shut while they're trying to what restock their system to make these types of deals. It's, it's very frustrating. Honestly, I think like the easy argument is to say it's all money related, but I think sometimes like the fact that they're really, they really trust themselves in trades more than they trust themselves drafting. It seems like, or signing some of these guys, like they really just don't trust their own system to develop talent and to find talent. And they, (laughs) they identify one guy, you know, sometimes there's one guy that they, you know, key in on and that's our guy, you know, we're going to go get him like Oscar Colas or, uh, you know, Yoki Cespedes, but like, that's why they're overspending on those guys when other teams are going in with the same amount of money and coming out with 12 to 14 guys to fill their system up that, you know, maybe if three of them work out, like it's fine because it all worked out you know, money-wise, their value uh, outpays anything that you paid for that entire class of, uh, you know, international prospects. Um, But yeah, it just really feels like there's something that they don't trust in themselves. It's the same philosophy they're using, they they used in the international draft all these years that failed them in the amateur draft for years, where they were trying to draft quick to the majors talent. They were trying to draft guys who they perceived as close to major league ready. So what happens instead of going out and getting 16 year old players out of these places where there's going to be a five-year development window for them, but they, they could turn into the next Fernando Tatis Jr. Instead of stocking up on those guys, they spent all their money on guys who were already 21, 22 years old, like Yoelki Cespedes, like uh, Oscar Colas, like, uh, Gilbert Sanchez, guys who have to basically like matriculate on their talent right away, and they have no time. And that's why people, that's why fans get, especially with Cespedes, fans got very, very uh, over optimistic about Cespedes' ability. It's like, oh, 2022 next year. Come on, like, yes, does he have the physical talent to do that i suppose so but you guys like people really got to stop thinking that the 100 solution just happens all the time and it yeah. doesn't like cespedes had known red flags that he would need to work out and he still does and he's going to be what 24 this season i don't even know if he'll make it to the majors this year but these are guys who can't they can't afford to stumble because they lose their value very quickly. Like Yoki Cespedes is probably one of our, is by almost any stretch of the imagination, one of our top three prospects. And he doesn't really have much value in trade. Because other teams don't want prospects he's, like he's too He's too old already. They can't wait yeah. two years for him to be 28 and hopefully he makes it. Um, but changing from the prospects really quick, um, one guy we didn't touch on uh, was, we talked a little about it last time, the crochet loss. And there was a very interesting interview with uh, Yasmani Grandal today when he uh, he brought up, he's like, you know, I talked to a lot of people around the league and 
they don't often talk about other people on our team, but like the person that gets brought up all the time by opposing players on other teams is, is Gary Crochet. And uh, it's like, that's, I take that to mean, you know, a lot. Like, so like, I don't think we're, you know, necessarily putting enough weight on uh, this is Grandal's words. We're not putting enough weight on like how big of a loss deck yeah. is to our um, team this year. Like just to have that weapon. Yeah. And what you guys were uh, speaking to b- before uh, Adrian's uh, clever aside there for sure uh is is a as a pet peeve of mine's come up in the minor league uh our, our minor league podcast many times with darren black's probably come up with podcasts across the way is it is dereliction of duty that when you're a team that spends like the white Sox and pretend okay this year they're not oh, okay one once every couple decades uh there is is dereliction of duty to not have two dsl teams not have two arizona teams there it costs you it's negligible cost you're allowed to do it are, are the White Sox not allowed to do it, but, but, the, but the Cubs are? Uh, it seems preposterous that you don't just double your lottery tickets. You double your prospects. You, 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 you double the, the what's in your pantry by just yeah. fielding a team. Now, you can field it with a poor players, sure, I guess. And I know the money still only stretches so much, but isn't that why you suit guys up to see what happens? And you got, you got this beautiful facility in Arizona that's meant to hold this many people so you're not really like building new grounds for them or anything you're just letting them go to work no, where, you can squeeze them both in yeah, that's true you're letting them go to work where you already have it not being used fully so like it just doesn't make any sense yeah hey. real, real quick bouncing back to crochet um i i think this organization may it's another it's another case of the, the white Sox just with that get them straight to the major leagues as fast as possible and we can use them and then we'll develop them while they're in the major leagues philosophy that keeps doing disservice to their players because people seem to think that Chris Sale is the norm rather than the exception and I keep seeing like oh you know they did it with Chris Sale well there's a reason there's only one Chris Sale and you know it's like when Garrett Crochet was drafted he had had a dozen starts in college and he, he had spent most of his time as a reliever. And then he gets brought up into the major leagues as a reliever. And when people are telling us, oh, yeah, they'll just stretch him out like they did Kopech. Kopech had a long career in the in college and in the minors as a starter. And him being a reliever was the exception, not the norm, as opposed to Crochet, where, no, him he's been a reliever most of the time. And with his arm action, sorry, I mean, that's the kind of arm action that guys typically wind up hurt. And I, I don't know. I just feel like he's, he's a victim of the White Sox over <laughs> development and, and because of their constant wish casting because of their, you know, because of how they disperse their resources. Yeah. But Trooper, when you run the list of the guys who got through, uh, from each draft class in the majors first, the White Sox are all over it. And doesn't it make you swell with pride? No. Yeah, no, it doesn't. No, you're right. Uh, because you're right. Some of these guys are just, uh, you know, one, once in a lifetime talents. And, um, you know, Chris Sale, yeah, he was a starter in college. Granted, it was a, you know, junior college. It wasn't any sort of big deal. But yeah, he was used to the workload. Kopech only was a reliever because he's working way back from yeah. taking a year off with the pandemic and then coming back from major, major surgery. That's and, the reason. And most people will tell you that it's kind of miraculous that Chris Sale went as long as he did before yeah. becoming an injury prone person <laughs> like he is now later in his career. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, like everybody pointed to like, there's no way that this guy and this uh you know pitching motion is going to stay healthy and somehow he did long enough for us to get maximum value out of him um but yeah. we, we found a unicorn and people and fans think that the, mant- the manticore is right around the corner from that yeah. and the griffin is right around the corner from that and hey we'll find the chupacabra not long after that yeah well get well soon chris sale and your uh busted rib uh we'll see you at some point in the season but uh not early I 
White Sox, um, we got a big week. We got a big week on Southside Sox. We got podcasts probably almost every day. We got like, I don't know, like 10 stories a day. It's ridiculous. It's an embarrassment of riches. I hope you're all enjoying it, reading and sometimes even watching and listening. Uh, we'll have more. We'll be right back at you tomorrow with a podcast. Uh, we're going to debut our minor league podcast for a second season with Darren Black. We'll be doing stuff pregame and postgame on opening day. We got all sorts of coverage, which we'll outline for that pregame podcast, which of which perhaps Adrian and Trooper will join for that. If not, hey, bid them adieu. Uh, it's great to have both of you guys. Uh, and again, big, big week. I hope <laughs> in spite of the injuries, there's still a lot of excitement in the White Sox land, and we will be trying to feed the buzz of that excitement all week long. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, everybody.